This message was recorded during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Okay, good. Here are four reasons why we love this church. A long-term relationship with this church. Uh, the first time I did something with Cornerstone Church was in the early 90s. Uh, it was a singles retreat somewhere. I don't, Fontana. Uh, loved it, and uh, we've served together countless times since then. I, mean, I started thinking, when was it? I just, it's just too many to remember. Your commitment to evangelism. This church's commitment to evangelism for 30 years. We've been reaching out to the, the campus at UT. Can't count the number of people I've met who were converted through the ministry that you have at UT. Uh, so praise God for your faithfulness in that. Your investment in the future, you've continued to serve our family of churches and beyond by sending men and their families to the pastor's college, uh, just listing off the Coopers, the Pluniacs, the Odoms, the Alexanders, the Williamsons, the Hurleys, the Moores, the Varnells, the Simmons, and I'm sure there are people I've left out. And Did all those people go? Okay, good. Um, this was just off the top of my head because I like these things to be natural and spontaneous. Um, that's a lot of people that you are investing into the future of, of churches where lives are going to be transformed, where people are going to be saved. And finally, just your example of faithfulness. Uh, whether you're experiencing favor or opposition, fruitfulness or pruning, you have remained faithful. And you know what Jesus is going to honor on the last day? What is he going to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. So thank you for your faithfulness, your example. Others have seen it and learned from it and benefited from it. And the greatest thing is that all those things I mentioned flow from your love for the Savior who has changed your lives and his, this church. So thank you, Bill. Thank you for the way you've led them so many years. All right. As you enter into the week of prayer, uh, Bill uh, asked me, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my wife, and I just want to, I'm so glad you're here. Um, we have just had a fantastic day. All these things are coming to mind. With uh, the leaders and wives of, of Cornerstone the last few days, we really do love this church, and I've been so glad that Julie's been here. She's my favorite person in the world, and we're just having a great time being together, and the fact that you guys are with us, that's nice too. Um, we, so Bill told me that you're coming into the week of prayer and asked if I could speak on something that would motivate us and encourage us in prayer, and I could think of no better place to go than the Psalms. Uh, R.C. Sproul said, in the Psalms, we have a collection of 150 prayers that were inspired originally by the Holy Ghost. If you want to know how God is pleased and honored in prayer, why not immerse yourself in the prayers that He Himself has inspired? Why not immerse yourself in the prayers that He Himself has inspired? Well, I've been doing that uh, for as long as I've been a Christian, and, and the last 30 years in particular, but in the last three years specifically, I have felt this, this call to, to press into the Psalms and not just, just know them, kind of be familiar with them, but have those words and those thoughts and those attitudes get into my soul. One of the ways I've been doing that is by starting to memorize Psalms, which I'd never done before, and that's just been such a rich, fruitful practice. 
So I want to speak from the Psalms, and the title of the message is going to be Praying Like a Psalmist. Um, we're not going to have a specific text, although I prefer, and we, th- th- we prefer as a church, to speak from, uh, you know, a, a specific test, text to give God's Word to us as He's given it to us. But I thought this morning it might be helpful to draw four principles from the Psalms uh, that teach us how to pray to God, things that we should keep in mind when we pray that the Psalms teach us. Now, this is somewhat arbitrary because uh, we could pick a hundred things that the Psalms teach us about how to pray to God. But as I've been pouring through the Psalms, as I've been memorizing them, as I've been studying them, uh, just, just asking, God, what are you saying to us about how we should relate to you in prayer. These four things have stood out. So here's the first. All of life is under the domain of God and His Word. All of life is under the domain of God and His Word. We learn from the Psalms that everything we do, God is involved in. There's no part of life that he's not interested in. He's not just paying attention when we come together on Sunday mornings. He's paying attention to every moment of every day of our lives. He's not just interested in the religious parts. He's interested in all of it. All of it. There's no strict division, and you may have heard this said before, between our sacred time and our secular time between the time God really cares about what we're doing and when he's off somewhere doing something else. We are always and everywhere, at every moment, accountable to God and his word. And what I'm going to be doing is just referencing psalms throughout the message. So Psalm 139, verses 1 through 3, says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Now, God's not just interested in every moment of our lives. He wants to tell us how to live it. So all of our life is under not only His care, but under the domain of His Word. And His Word, a love for His Word, a knowledge of His Word, a trust in His Word, is crucial if we're going to pray in a way that pleases God. The Psalms begin, you remember, the Psalms begin, Psalm 1, with telling us there are two kinds of people. Remember? Two kinds of people. Those who delight in and meditate on and obey God's Word, the righteous, and those who don't, the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers. That's the dividing line between those God will approve and those God will condemn in the judgment. The dividing line is our response to His Word. Psalm 1 verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. 
Well, who are the righteous? Well, the righteous are those who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. And throughout the Psalms, we see that if you're going to pray in a way that pleases God, you've got to love His Word. You've got to, you've got to know His Word. You've got to be familiar with it. You've, you've got to want to hear from God. So Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 9 The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The reason this is so important is because most of us, when we go to pray, we're not thinking about what God has said to us, are we? We're thinking about what we're going to say to God. It's prayer. That's what it is. We're going to we're going to talk to God. Well, you know what? Before we talk to God, we have to hear Him speak to us. Psalm 119, a whole 176 verses devoted to a love of God's Word. Verses 13 and 14. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. Psalm same psalm, verses 151 and 152. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. You know, I was talking with a, a leader recently, in the past year, who was explaining to me the difference between the written word and the living word. And he, he wanted to make it very clear in his leading and in his teaching and instructing the difference between the written word and the living word. And he was, he was trying to make the point that you know, we're not worshiping a book. We're not in love with the book. We're not all consumed with a book. And I understand what he was reacting to. He had grown up in a culture where the knowledge of the Bible was prized, but knowledge of Jesus wasn't. There were people who knew a lot about the Bible, but they didn't seem to look very much like Jesus. Have you ever met someone like that? I mean, you might be someone like that. I don't know. I hope you aren't, but I've met people like that. You know, you're in awe of their knowledge of the Word of God, but they're just not very pleasant to be around, which is not supposed to happen. So I understand he was reacting to that. It was a dry orthodoxy devoid of life. But you know what? The psalmist loves the Word of God. <laughs> he, if, if you want to pray effectively, if you want to pray fruitfully, if you want to pray in a way that, that honors the Lord, you are going to love His Word. Why? Because you love the God of the Word. I've never said to Julie, Julie, I love you, but would you just stop talking to me? Now, she has said that to me <laughs> multiple times. 
Jesus said, don't you ever get tired of talking? And I say, no, I don't. But I've never said that to her, and you should never say it to your spouse either. I love you, but I don't want to hear you speak. That's ridiculous. But that's what we say to God all the time through our actions. We launch into prayer and think, I can do this. I do this. I got this. I got this. And, and we just have not given a single thought to what he said to us. God doesn't give us his words simply for information, but so that he might build a relationship with us. So he wants us to know that all of life is under his domain and the domain of his word. 123 times the psalmist used the phrase covenant love to describe God's steadfast, loyal commitment to deliver and care for his people. And he wants us to know that. But we won't know it unless we know his word, unless we love his word. And while the, living, while the written word and the living word are distinct, they cannot be separated because the written word points us to the living word, Jesus Christ. And you know what Jesus does in the Gospels? He points us back to the written word. And he says, these words are faithful. These words are true. You need to pay attention to these words. He doesn't say, hey, you don't need the written word anymore because I'm here. No, he, he bases what he says and what he does on the written word of God. He is conscious of fulfilling prophecies in the written word of God. So we want to pay attention to the written word of God. It's a misuse of the Psalms to admire the psalmist's relationship with God and then go off on our own and try and figure out our own methods for prayer and our own views of prayer and our own opinions of prayer and our own means of knowing Him. You know, the, the, the word spirituality is really popular in our culture these days. It's been for a few decades now. I'm not religious. I'm not Christian. I'm spiritual. And you have to ask the question, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm spiritual. You know, I just know there are, there are things outside what we can see. I don't know what they are, but I know they're there. So that, that I'm a spiritual person. You know, Oprah Winfrey would be a spiritual person. She's not quite clear on what uh, is, it is. But you can tell there's, there's something out there. And a lot of people are attracted to that. Why? It's so... It's so great. Why? Because we can make that spirituality whatever we want it to be. Here's the point. God has revealed himself to us. He's told us what he's like. He said, this is the way I am. And then to make it really clear, he sent Jesus, the Son of God. He said, okay, this is who I am. Some people like to find their relationship with God through creation. They like to feel God and you know, commune with God through nature. Well, <laughs> the Psalms tell us over and over and over, God's Word is how we know Him. And there's nothing in our lives that exists outside the domain of Him 
and his word. So that's the first thing we learn from the psalmist. If we're going to pray well, we've got to know his word well. And that word will point us to Jesus. But Jesus will point us back to his word and say, know me through my word. Second point. God wants us to know him not generically or vaguely, but specifically. He wants us to know him specifically. The Psalms were written, God gave us the Psalms so that our prayers and songs would move us to deeper engagement with God, to know him better to understand His ways so that we might love Him more and obey Him more diligently and joyfully. You know, we get caught up with people and think about how people are great and how they're, they're worthy of praise. And in our man-centered, fanboy, American-idolized, celebrity-obsessed age, the Psalms tell us there's something more worth giving our attention, time, affection, and adoration to than us. It's God, and He can be known. The Psalms tell us to give God glory and to praise Him, and they are, to do that, as I mentioned in the call to worship this morning, they are constantly pointing us to specifics of why God is so worthy of our praise and attention and adoration and obedience. The Psalms don't say, hey, love God, obey Him, and, you know, just do it. That's not what the Psalms say. Or trust, the Psalms don't say, trust God in prayer, even though you don't really believe Him or know Him very well. But that's how we pray a lot of times. We pray half believing that God even hears us, half believing that God wants to do what we're asking, and half believing that God can do what we're asking. Why is that? Because we don't know Him very well. And if you immerse yourself in the Psalms, I can assure you, you will get to know Him. Of course, that's true of the whole Word of God. But we're talking about how the Psalms affect our prayer lives. They reorient us from a self-centered world, or even an other-centered world, which is an improvement on a self-centered world. Other-centered world is better than a self-centered world. But you know what's better than all of those, both of those? A God-centered world. Psalms can't, the Psalms can't get away from God. And when our world is God-centered, everything has value or importance or goodness in relation to God. And what the Psalms tell us about God and what, what motivates us to go to Him in prayer are three things. His character, who God is, His Word, which we've already touched on, what God has said, and his actions, what God does. Those three things, and I, I like to call it his worthiness, his word, and his works. Just because I like alliteration, helps me remember things. His, his worthiness, his character, his word, and his works. So I want to give you some of examples of this that, that show how the psalmists are constantly saying, know God, know the God you're praying to. 
Don't be content with this half-baked, vague, kind of foggy, cloudy idea of God because your prayers are going to lack motivation. That's why we don't pray. One of the reasons is we don't believe God is as good as He says He is. Oh man, if you knew someone who was handing out like, you know, checks for a million dollars, would you go to see them? Well, not if you didn't think it was real or not if you thought the checks were fake. Say, well, yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. (laughs) But that's how we are in prayer. I mean, God's not handing out checks for a million dollars, just to be clear. But God has said he will work everything for our good, for those who are called according to his purpose. He will work everything for our good. And he, there is, well, we'll get into that later. Um, okay, so first, God's worthiness. How worthy is God? Well, in Psalm 117, we praise him for his steadfast love and his holiness. In Psalm 29, we praise him for his glory and his strength. In Psalm 11, we praise him that he hates the wicked. That's an important part of the Psalms, that God hates the wicked. Psalm 40, we praise him that he is faithful and merciful. I love, uh, see, I'm going to get that, yeah. I, I, I love Psalm 40 when it says, uh, I will proclaim your, let me get started here. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. What's he saying? What's the psalmist saying there? He's saying, I want people around me to know who God is. I want, to know, I want them to know what he's like. So I'm going to proclaim these things. He is holy, not evil. He is generous, not stingy. He is faithful, not untrustworthy. He is omnipotent, not powerless. Now those will just be words to us unless we have spent time meditating on the facts, the truths about who God really is. So Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. That's true. He is omnipotent. He is good. He's better than we could ever imagine him to be. Think of the kindest, nicest, most generous, gentlest, wonderful person you know. Maybe you, know, maybe you don't know anyone like that. But if you do, that is just the smallest glimmer of how good God is. And any goodness you see in that person just comes from the Lord. You, we can't imagine how good God is. One day we're going to see him and we'll know. Right now, though, he's telling us, this is, this is how good I am. He's, he's worthy of our trust. You've been listening to a message recorded during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865 865- 
694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.